Hello everybody, welcome back to another episode of JK Productions. Today, I'm running things solo over here on Spotify. However, starting tomorrow and hopefully for the future, over on FAUHourRadio.com, I have my show there that is, that is live from 3 o'clock to 4 o'clock every single Tuesday. Uh, the game, the, the show after the Super Bowl might not be on Tuesday because that's my birthday. So, uh, going forward with that, I plan to be having guests on there, members of the FAU Owl community uh, that have tried to get into the, the radio gig, tried to get into the commentating gig. I'll be having some guests over there. My first guest, of course, starting tomorrow. We'll have two more guests uh, the following week, so really excited to bring more people into the fold with that. Uh, today's show, I just decided to do on my own. Last few weeks, I've brought on Jacob Brown, Zach Weinberger. Of course, you guys all know Donovan's been on here quite a few times. But today, I felt like just doing things solo and just really excited for tomorrow to finally bring some guests on with my my show over there at FAU. And like I mentioned, you can listen to that show live, FAUOurRadio.com. 3 o'clock to 4 o'clock will be where I'm at there for Tuesdays for the rest of this semester. So with today's show, of course, we got to go over the two championship games that took place yesterday of course Cincinnati and Kansas City on the AFC side of things and then Los Angeles and the San Francisco 49ers on the NFC side of things so I'll give you guys my thoughts on that we saw a pretty interestingly brief retirement from Tom Brady that wasn't ultimately a retirement that happened for all about 10 minutes before uh, a lot more news came out that he wasn't retiring however I uh, do have some thoughts to weigh on that and we have seen a few head, co- head coaching hirings finally take place. A few slots have been filled. Quite a few slots still open. And one of the guys I was really hopeful for the Miami Dolphins bringing in head coach has gone off the board now. So Miami will have to look elsewhere. We'll go into Miami's remaining candidates as well as the possibility for the rest of the head coaching openings uh, here, this, uh, here this episode today. But of course, we got to start with the, the football, the action, what actually went on 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 Sunday and uh first I'd like to start with the game I got wrong and that conveniently being the first game of the day the Cincinnati Bengals went into Kansas City and they took care of business and this was definitely a shock to me as I'm sure it was a surprise to most people now Cincinnati has been climbing their offense has been incredible their defense is playing all right but Joe Burrow has been carrying this team. He's really been the difference of this team. And we saw even yesterday reports the Miami Dolphins had offered three first-round picks to move up in that draft. We were sitting at five. We were going to probably send them those three draft picks to move up to get Joe Burrow with the first overall pick. And we see what that difference makes. Joe Burrow now moving on to his first-ever Super Bowl, finished yesterday, 250 yards, two touchdowns, one interception. And the biggest thing that took place for the Cincinnati Bengals yesterday Joe Burrow was only sacked one time coming off a game where he was sacked nine times and still managed to get the game get win the game for the Cincinnati Bengals you really got to tip your cap to the Cincinnati Bengals offensive line now Joe Burrow did have to make a lot of plays there was a lot of times where Joe Burrow was dead to rights in the grasp of Chris Jones in the grasp of some of their other defensive linemen and Joe Burrow was able to get out, to get to the outside, to pick up some yards with his legs, make quite a few nice throws in the process. And Joe Burrow really carried that team yesterday. At one point, the Cincinnati Bengals were down 21-3. to In the second quarter, things were looking grim. 
Haley, if you're listening to this, Haley decided to try to act a little smart. I saw something on TikTok. I said, uh, I assume, said she was going to be taking the Bengals money line. I assume that was the first time in her life she's ever heard the word money line. Uh, but I kind of laughed at her halfway through the game. I was like, if you really would have done that, you'd be, you would have lost your money. 21 to 3. I guess the Kansas City Chiefs against Patrick Mahomes in Arrowhead. Everything was against Cincinnati at that point. Of course, they go get the long touchdown to running back Samaji P. Ryan. It really opened up the game for Cincinnati. It was the first really big play of the day for Cincinnati. And then Kansas City gets the ball back. And the absolute meme that is Eli Apple is the guy who gets to stop at the end of the first half, stop Tyree Kill from getting on the end zone from two yards out. And Kansas City goes in with a moderately comfortable 21-10 to lead at halftime. And coming out of half, man, these teams look different. They looked very, very different. Before the season started, I had said that I didn't think the Chiefs were going to get to the Super Bowl this year. Now, I did predict the Browns to make the Super Bowl instead of them, so I can't really pat myself on the back too much. I got the wrong Ohio team at the end of the day. Um, but it's hard. It's hard to make a Super Bowl three years in a row. They were, could have been in it four years in a row had Chris Jones not lined or D Ford, whichever one it was, lined up offsides in the AFC Championship game against New England. That would have been four Super Bowls in a row. To have everything click, to have the talents, to have everything just go right for you for four, three or four straight years is borderline impossible. Whether, no matter what the sport is, whether it's basketball, football, baseball, for a team to make or even win a Super Bowl or a championship three years in a row, it's only, been, it's only happened a handful of times in sports history. So for the Chiefs to do it, with this roster, it would not be it would not be unheard of. It's happened before with less greater teams. However, eventually the fatigue starts to set in, and you start to expect your team to be somewhere. And I kind of got that sense from the Kansas City Chiefs in the second half. It was more of an expectation that they were going to finish the game and move on to the Super Bowl, rather than a hunger and a desire to finish the game and make it to the Super Bowl. Cincinnati was hungry. That offensive line has been awful through the entire playoffs. They fought in every single play to try to keep Joe Burrow clean. I got to give a huge, huge credit to the Cincinnati secondary. Most of the game, Cincinnati only rushed four, sometimes even three rushers. And in the first half, it didn't necessarily go too well. Patrick Mahomes was hitting his checkdowns. He was hitting Jarrett McKinnon in the flat and picking up yards. You know, just giving what the team, giving what the defense gives them, and it worked. It got them 21 points in the first half, on pace to score 42 on the game, and they were rolling. It was comfortable. Second half wasn't so comfortable. Patrick Mahomes a lot of times went away from that checkdown, which. The commentating team was giving him so much credit for that. Maybe in his first, second, third year, he wouldn't have done that. 
he would look to make the big play. However, the defense was giving him underneath. They're playing double safeties, deep safeties, all, all, at that, at that, deep safeties the entire game. Tyreek Hill finished with seven catches, 78 yards, and a touchdown. Really wasn't able to bust loose. And we've seen that a lot this year, that Tyreek Hill is kind of just catching passes underneath and trying to make a move, and he's still so electric while doing that. Travis Kelsey is really the one who dominates. And just If you give him some space, he's going to try to maneuver his way into position. 10 catches, 95 yards, one touchdown. Travis Kelsey still had a, still had a great game. Our result in the second half, Patrick Mahomes was really desperately trying to make a play. And oftentimes it wasn't there. You saw him running back and forth, back and forth, running in circles. Donovan, if you're listening to this, I, I don't understand how you can try to call Patrick Mahomes a pocket passer. He's the literal definition of a scrambling quarterback. That man would roll out to the right, spin backwards, run to the left, run back to the right, and in the first half, it got him a touchdown. He hit Tyreek Hill in the right corner of the end zone, got the, end, got the touchdown. However, in the second half of the game, in the fourth quarter of the game, Hubbard of the Cincinnati defense came up huge. Two big sacks by Hubbard there at the end to push the Chiefs further and further away from the end zone, stop them from getting a touchdown, which then would have resulted in the Bengals having to go down and score to win the game. They stopped them. They forced them into a field goal for Kansas City's only points of the half. At that point, Cincinnati had scored 14 unanswered in the second half. Of course, first scoring the touchdown to Jamar Chase, getting the two-point conversion to tie the game. And then later, Evan McPherson. Got to give a little shout-out to the Gators. Go Gators. Man, has a he just has the coolest of mind, which, I mean, something you see throughout that team. Joe Burrow, Evan McPherson. When you ask them to step up, they've stepped up. Ed McPherson has been huge for them in the playoffs. Going 4-4 four for four yesterday at a long of 52. Hit his extra point, of course. Efficiency there. The greatest now, the greatest rookie performance by a kicker in NFL history. And that got him, that got him to lead the game. Kansas City, obviously, like I said, takes the ball down. Scores the field, gets the field goal as time goes out, and then it's overtime. And we see a very similar picture as we saw last week against the Buffalo Bills for 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 Kansas City. They win the coin toss, and just hearing it on TV, I can only imagine what it really sounded like in real life. But that stadium erupted, just from what I could hear on TV. They know what that meant. We all saw the stats. 10 times out of 11 in NFL playoff history, the team that wins the coin toss wins the game. We now have the 12th time, and we now have the second time. Kansas City got the ball first, of course, and then a three and out. Not just a three and out. Three plays, and the third play was interception. The Chiefs come out passing first two plays. Nothing there. Patrick Mahomes passes a deep. And gets intercepted for his second interception on the game. This time being intercepted by Jesse Bates. Able to return it decently back. And then at that point, all Cincinnati needs is a field goal. They run the ball a few times. Pass the ball a few times. Get themselves in a position where, you know, hey, Evan, where do you want the ball? Gets the ball on the right side. Evan McPherson puts it up. And the Cincinnati Bengals are moving on to the Super Bowl. Think about that. 
At the beginning of the year, the Cincinnati Bengals had the same betting odds to make the Super Bowl as the Jacksonville Jaguars. The Jacksonville Jaguars have the number one overall pick. Cincinnati's in the Super Bowl. It, as somebody who likes the Ravens, it's it's still not even real to me that this team is in the Super Bowl. I don't have the desire to hate them like I would if a Cleveland Browns was in the Super Bowl or if the Pittsburgh, oh, especially if the Pittsburgh Steelers in the Super Bowl. I would be pissed. But seeing Cincinnati move up and make the Super Bowl, it's kind of seeing it's it's, it's kind of seeing little brother finally start to pull his weight, and they are pulling their weight. Joe Burrow, second year in the league. He won his Heisman. He won his national championship. And now he's in the Super Bowl. I ab- Absolutely outstanding. Absolutely incredible by the Cincinnati Bengals team. A lot of credit to Zach Taylor for putting this roster together. Had so many doubters in the offseason. So many people saying that he should have been fired after his first two seasons. Not amassing a lot of, a lot of wins. Not bringing the team anywhere. I was in a very similar position. I didn't say he should have been fired, but there was definitely some eyebrows that should have been raised and some question marks that should have been there. Now he brings his team to the Super Bowl, and Kansas City goes home. Thank the Lord we don't have to hear from Jackson Mahomes and whatever Pastor Mahomes' annoying wife's name is. Thank God. Thank thank Joe Shiesty. Thank Joe Burrow. We don't have to listen to him. We don't have to see Jackson Mahomes twerking on the Super Bowl. In LA, so if you're if you're Kansas City moving on from here, there's not much else different you can do. This team is as built out as it can be. It's got as much as much talent as it can be. McCole Hardman really started to come off in the playoffs. Jarrett McKinnon was a great addition. Didn't really do much in the playoffs. He or in the regular season, he doubled his usage in the postseason that he had in the regular season. Of course, you still have Tyreek Hill. Of course, you still have Travis Kelsey. But Patrick Mahomes' contract is, is, is going to start to set in around the corner. He's going to be making $45, $50 million right around the corner. So this team's got to put something out there these next few years or just get really lucky and be able to somehow manage to keep this talent together, sign some veterans to some minimum contracts to try to keep them relevant. Because once that... $45 million is off the board. You're going to have to start paying people else and you have to de- elsewhere on the team. You have to decide who's worth keeping, who's not. It's going to be hard to maintain success for the Kansas City Chiefs moving forward with that contract. Yeah, of course, it's worth it. Patrick Holmes is one of, if not the best quarterback in the league. He's already won you a Super Bowl. Almost got you to three. Could have been four in a row Super Bowls. Not saying he's not worth it, but definitely is going to make things more difficult for the Kansas City Chiefs moving forward as they go on off of the offseason. Cincinnati moves on to the Super Bowl. Moving on to the second game, which took place in LA, the battle of the NFC West, NFC West Championship, as I was coining it pretty much all week. San Francisco almost had a home game again, if you really look at the the stands, how many fans were there with red jerseys, red t-shirts on. It wasn't as bad as that week 18 game, but it was still pretty bad. Every single time there was a field goal kicked, you could just see a sea of red behind the uh, behind the uprights. But they went into the Los Angeles Rams and uh, didn't weren't able to weren't able to pull through. And the word that I would like to fixate on this game is enough. Jimmy Garoppolo is good enough. 
to get to his team to a Super Bowl. He's proved that. He's gotten he's gotten a lot of hate yesterday. You know, he had the one interception, it wasn't really his fault. Finished 232 yards, averaged 7.7 a pass attempt, two touchdowns. That's good enough. That's good enough to get you places. That's good enough to win you games. That's good enough to get you the Super Bowl. We've seen it already. We saw they were on the doorstep of making the Super Bowl. But also on the other side, Jared Goff was good enough. Jared Goff got to a Super Bowl. Jared Goff got to the playoffs every year under McVay. He won games. But he's on another team now that missed the playoffs. And Matt Stafford was brought in, and Matt Stafford is more than good enough. 337 yards, two touchdowns, had the one interception that was tipped in the end zone, of course. But what this team does with Matt Stafford versus what this team did with Jared Goff, it's night and day. They had to play a certain type of way with Jared Goff, and it worked, mostly. Jared Goff got them to a Super Bowl. A lot of play action pass, a lot of using the play action to open up, or using the run to use play action to open up some passes over the middle of the field, a little bit downfield. Now, the pass opens up the run. Matt Stafford, the connection between him and Cooper Cup, we're, we're, we're seeing history right here, the connection they have, and Cooper Cup just continues to not slow down. Eventually, you know, you look at him like, he can't keep this going forever. But so far he has 11 catches, 142 yards, two touchdowns in the NFC Championship game. He's not getting those numbers with Jared Goff. They're probably not in the Super Bowl with Jared Goff. Two really close games now in a row. They had the lead, of course, last uh, last week. They were up 27-3. Things broke down. The game was tied. Matt Stafford makes a big throw. Down the middle of the field to his best weapon, Cooper Cup, sets him up into field goal position. Again, you're not making that throw with Jared Goff. Now, Stafford didn't look the sharpest per se yesterday. You know, 337 yards, two touchdowns, interception. You know, I'm kind of nitpicking a little bit. But Troy Aikman pointed out a couple times, and he should have had a second interception. Is is it's, it really sucks. You, you feel for the guy that, you know, Jaquesti Tart. He's in. He's basically playing center field there. The ball's throwing straight to him. They had two receivers either side. Matt Stafford just throws it down the middle. And he has a layup of an interception. He fumbles it. Uh, so he would have had two interceptions on the day. That one, of course, definitely being his fault. Um. But to say 337 yards, two touchdowns, interception is not looking his best, and then you compare that to what production they were getting from Jared Goff, uh, that's that's the difference. Good enough was no longer enough for this Los Angeles Rams team, a team that kept spending a capital, a team that hasn't had a first-round pick in years, and they're not going to have another first-round pick for another set of years, and who knows beyond that what they do with their picks eventually it had to work and that was something that I was concerned was going to start to get into the the, the head of head coach Sean McVay 
You know, Matt Stafford hasn't been here before. He knows what it means. He knows what was invested in him, the money he's being paid, the draft picks they gave up for him. Stan Kroenke, he's clearly not a patient owner. And to his credit, it has worked. Got into two Super Bowls now. So I went inside game against Arizona, that Monday game, the first game of the playoffs, and I predicted that Los Angeles was going to be upset. That the pressure was going to be too big. That they weren't going to be able to get it done. And now they're in the Super Bowl. Everything that they've set out to do this year was to get them to the Super Bowl. And it's worked. They went out and got Odell Beckham Jr. He gave you nine catches, 113 yards. You went and got Vaughn Miller. He's had a couple sacks so far in the playoffs. Had a tackle for loss. Yesterday, those acquisitions, and then, of course, that Matt Stafford acquisition. On the day he was traded for last season, the day, one year to the day, he was brought over from Detroit to Los Angeles. He wins the game. He brings them to the Super Bowl. So it's going to be a nice matchup. Los Angeles, Cincinnati. The matchup I wanted to see the most, just in terms of matchup, would have been Los Angeles and Kansas City. Of course, we got robbed of that game a few years ago. Like I said, Chris Jones lines up offsides. Earlier that year, we had undoubtedly the best regular season game of all time. That Monday night football matchup of Los Angeles and Kansas City. We saw that. We all loved it. And we were so, so close from having a rematch. Who knows what it would have been. It could have disappointed. But we know how much of a disappointment that Patriots and Rams Super Bowl was. You know, a lot of credit to Brian Flores for shutting down McVay. Shutting down that offense. Shutting down that offense that was a lot more predictable back then. It didn't have the explosive firepower that it does now with Matt Stafford. Bringing in Odell. Of course, missing Robert Woods is kind of in the back of people's minds. No one has really thought about it, but... Imagine if he he was on this team. Imagine if he hadn't gone down injured. How do you stop those three? If those if those three were healthy, it's it really is a battle of the best receiving core. On one side you have T. Higgins, Jamar Chase, Tyler Boyd, and with Los Angeles, Cooper Cup, Odell Beckham Jr., and Robert Woods. So the, it's going to be a fun offensive matchup for these two teams. I'm not going to give my prediction quite yet. I'm going to save that probably. For, for next week. Uh, probably have a guest back on next week and we can break that that, that game down a little little more in depth. Um, it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. San Francisco, moving forward, all signs point that they're going to be moving off Jimmy Garoppolo. Not quite sure to where. Uh, when we get into the head coaching hires, uh, one place I did say he could go would be Denver. However, there's a certain somebody that looks a little bit more obvious for that spot now, even more so now than he already did. Um, but he's most likely gone. You don't trade up the amount of picks they did to the third overall pick and take a quarterback and Trey Lance unless you plan on using him. And like I said, he's good enough, but Los Angeles just proved good enough isn't good enough. Jimmy Garoppolo, at the end of the day, he is really limited. He doesn't have the legs. His arm's, his arm's pretty good. His arm's good enough. 
His accuracy is good enough. But there's a lot of limitations in his game. And I've always said, if he cannot turn the ball over, they can win. It wasn't necessarily his fault. He, he kind of tried, it, it, you know, it's more maybe more his fault than I'm alluding to. It hit the receiver in the hands, hit the running back in the hands, but you're flinging it like he did. We've seen so many times this year that just flinging the ball when you're about to take a sack hardly ever works. Most of the time, it's going to end up in the opposing team's hands. And the one thing that they needed to avoid, the one thing that Garoppolo couldn't do was turn the ball over. And now it looks like the very last play of his San Francisco 49ers career is a turnover, is an interception. And that interception, of course, did clinch the game for the Los Angeles Rams. So next year, I fully expect us to see Trey Lance in that starting QB role and very interested to see where Garoppolo ends up moving on into next season. So next, we had a few head coaching hires. Before we go into the little mini Tom Brady fiasco, if you even want to call it that. We had a few hires so far and still a few jobs open. Actually, my nose here in front of me, I messed up one of, I thought the, I forgot the Chicago, Chicago Bears had hired uh, Mike, Matt Eberflus, something like that. Um, first, though, the one that matters the most to Dolphins fans Matters a lot to Giants fans, of course. And the New York Giants hiring offensive coordinator of the Buffalo Bills, Brian Dable, pairing him back together with their former assistant GM, now GM of the New York Giants, Joe Shane. As a Dolphins fan, it stung. It hurt. (laughs) Speaking for me personally, earlier in that day, I I was calling my friend Tyrell a little delusional. As, a, as he's a Giants fan, I said that all reports pointed towards Brian Dable going to the Dolphins. Seemed like he had his coaching staff made up. And at the time, when I said it, as far as I was aware, that's what the reports looked like. That Brian Dable was getting closer to taking the Miami job. That he was going to come down here bring quarterbacks coach Ken Dorsey to be his offensive coordinator. And then a flood, an absolute flood of reports came out that he had or was in the process of taking the New York Giants head coaching job. And I didn't want to believe it at first. He was my number one target of a head coach for the Miami Dolphins. And then... JPA, Adam Schefter, everybody you'd like to hear for credible, (laughs) kind of ironic for credible sources as to what's going on in the NFL. Pretty much everybody then started to report, it's done, it's signed. Ryan Dable is the new coach of the New York Giants. And, you know, my family's Giants fans. I like the Giants. I'll root for the Giants when they're on. So I'm happy for them that they got the guy they wanted, they got a, obviously one of the best offensive minds in the league. He has Josh Allen, which some people has used to discredit him. However, Josh Allen, we all know Josh Allen came in very unrefined. He had all the talent in the world, which we now see. However, he came in throwing 
throwing a lot of interceptions. And Brian Dable, I believe, is the key to what has turned Josh Allen into a, an efficient quarterback on top of all the God-given talent that he has. He's going to be inheriting a guy in Daniel Jones that seemingly the front office wants to stick with for at least one more year. And Daniel Jones, you could say, is in a similar position. He's got the arm. He's got the athletic ability. He's tall. He has very similar attributes to what Josh Allen had coming in. And through his first few seasons, he has not been able to put it together. They haven't been able to get it right with head coach. They haven't been able to get it right with the offensive line, something that Tyrell uh, loves to point out. And to be fair, is 100% correct. They haven't been able to figure out head coach. Joe Judge only lasted a couple seasons and was clearly not the right guy for the New York Giants. The offensive line has been bottom five, really, the last two seasons in what led to his injury, Daniel Jones' injury earlier this season. But I still, I wasn't too big of a believer in him. I've seen, I think I've seen enough, even when he, even though he doesn't have the best of circumstances around him, I thought I hadn't seen enough. However, the Giants apparently have seen enough. And if anybody's going to be able to make Daniel Jones work, it should be Brian Dable. It should be the offensive mind, like I said, that was key for Josh Allen's development. And now Miami has to look elsewhere. It's, it's great for the Giants. They got their guy. Hopefully got their guy who should be a good head coach. But now the Dolphins have to look elsewhere. I'll eventually, after going over all these, I'll go over the what looks like three remaining candidates for the Miami Dolphins job. But also now, where does Brian Flores go? I thought he was all but certain to go to either the Chicago Bears or the New York Giants. Two teams that both could use a rehaul of sorts. The Bears have been kind of holding it together with duct tape the last few years. And their you know, their cap space isn't the best. They're probably going to lose Aaron Robinson. Allen Robinson, excuse me. Uh, and the New York Giants also. Very poor cap space. Some bad contracts. The Kenny Galladay contract looks absolutely terrible right now. That much money you gave him. Not a single touchdown or maybe just one touchdown on the season. So they are in need for, I want—I don't want to say a rebuild, don't need a tanking job, but there's a lot that they're going to have to do to that roster to get the Giants back in contention. And we saw what Flores did with the Miami Dolphins with a literal real rebuild that now a bunch of Twitter is saying that, oh, we didn't tank correctly. Even though those are the same people that when we were winning those few games that we were seeing the team built together, they weren't complaining. I wasn't complaining. We didn't fail a rebuild. We drafted the wrong guy. We drafted Tua. Yeah, obviously Joe Burrow's in the Super Bowl. And deservedly was the number one pick. But we had a guy right behind. We had Herbert. Herbert was right there for the taking. If you draft Herbert, Forrest is probably still our head coach. We could have been in the playoffs. Who knows how far we could have gone. So it's not that we failed the tank job. We just we drafted the wrong guy. We got hellbent on Tua. Tank for Tua was the mantra. And we're in the position we are. We're now still looking for a head coach. Brian Flores is gone. I expected him to go to either Chicago or New York. However, 
There's four other openings now. Sorry, three other openings now that are left that he could go to. There's obviously the Miami Dolphins, but we can't count that. So, interested in seeing what happens with him. There is one spot left that is worthy, really, of him, I guess you could say. So, we'll see what happens with Brian Flores. Very interesting. If he doesn't get a head coaching job, maybe he goes back to New England for a year. And I'm sure eventually he will get the get another head coaching job. He absolutely deserves it. Moving on to the Denver Broncos, who finalized the deal to hire offensive coordinator of the Green Bay Packers, Nathaniel Hackett, as their new head coach. And we all know what that means. We all know that it is he most likely got the job. For, well, I shouldn't say that. He got the job. He deserves it. Uh, the Packers offense has been really good. Only has that one receiver, albeit the best receiver in the league, Devontae Adams. Probably back-to-back MVP Aaron Rodgers. Dual-headed running back game. So, he's a good offense coordinator. He's done a good job with the team. But more likely than not, the final matter that got him this job was the fact that Aaron Rodgers is probably going to be looking to leave the Green Bay Packers this offseason. And before Nathaniel Hackett took the job... Whether it was Mike McDaniel that took the job, whether it was even Harbaugh, there was a few other names that that were out there, and you know, still are out there. Some of them going out and getting the offensive coordinator for Aaron Rodgers definitely makes it even more appealing for Aaron Rodgers to be the quarterback of the Denver Broncos next year. I think he's gone. There were some reports over the weekend that there's a cautious optimism that Aaron Rodgers will return to the Green Bay Packers. I don't think it's going to happen. I think his time there is done. I think the story is done. I think you know things have been stale with Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers now for past year. There's been a lot of tension. And the last offseason, he was looking to leave. He obviously didn't get that want. Decided to run it back and... Had the number one seed, had everything there set up to make a Super Bowl run, to finally get back to the Super Bowl for Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers. But of course, falling short, it's the San Francisco 49ers being out of the playoffs now only adds fuel to the fire for the Aaron Rodgers situation. So I think he's all but gone. And it makes the most sense for the Denver Broncos even before bringing in Nathaniel Hackett. The Denver Broncos are in a very similar position that they were when they look to bring in Peyton Manning from the Indianapolis Colts. They have the young, growing receiving core. Tim Patrick, Jerry Judy, Cortland Sutton, Noah Fant at tight end. They have a top 15, top 10 offensive line in the league. And on defense, even losing Vaughn Miller, a very solid defense. Bradley Chubb has continued to develop the corner they took in the draft last year, Patrick Sertain Jr., as well as all around that defense. Now, they did have a defensive-minded head coach, which certainly helps that side of things. We, we saw it with Miami, the lack of offense, but the incredible defense that we had. You could say it was very similar for the Denver Broncos, but they were held back by quarterback, and that's undeniable. Teddy Bridgewater started hot, started 3-4-0, or four and, oh, and things looked... Promising, but we were all looking at it a little cautiously. 
didn't want to get too excited. And then we saw where they ended up, of course, missing the playoffs as they did. They got to improve at quarterback. You could look to draft. However, Aaron Rodgers is the most obvious pick, the most obvious link. And bringing in Nathaniel Hackett only strengthens that, only adds fuel to the fire. So I think it's a great hire for the Denver Broncos. I think Aaron Rodgers is now going to look to team up over there. And as football fans, we got to love that. The AFC already has a really great amount of talent in the quarterback position. But just look at the AFC West. You already have Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert, and Derek Carr. And then you're going to add Aaron Rodgers to that. They all play each other. Man, I can't wait to see that. I hope it happens. Or, you know, maybe he packs his bags, comes down to Miami for a little few-year visit. But all likelihood is he will be joining Nathaniel Hackett over there with the Denver Broncos. Moving on to the team that I thought had the best appeal for a football, for, for a head coach. I, uh, last week on FAUL Radio, I, I did a segment breaking down, in my opinion, was was the best openings. And then very quickly after I came out with that, the openings did start to fill. But top of my list was the Las Vegas Raiders. Las Vegas, of course, the only team that made the playoffs that did not have a head coach going into next season. Rich Bisaccia did a great job to maintain that team to get them to the playoffs. But he was, at the end of the day, the special teams coordinator. He wasn't meant to be a head coach. He knew it. The team knew it. They knew that they were just playing with house money, pun intended. And now they have their guy. Josh McDaniels, we all know what happened a few years ago. Everything was in line for him to take the Indianapolis Colts job. The Indianapolis Colts believed he was going to be their next coach. He says, LOL, JK, goes back to the Patriots. They bring in Frank Reich from the Philadelphia Eagles. And I say they're mostly happy with that decision. Made the playoffs last year. Should have made the playoffs this year. Ceremoniously failed on the last day of the season and missed the playoffs. But now Josh McDaniels finally takes that head coaching job. He takes over the best job available. Now the one thing I will say about that job, which I did note, would be, like like I said with Aaron Rodgers potentially moving in, you're moving into the most difficult division in football, if, especially if Aaron Rodgers comes to join the Denver Broncos. Like I said, you will be playing against... Justin Herbert, Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers. I love Derek Carr. But of the four teams, you're playing with the fourth best quarterback. So that's going to be a challenge for Josh McDaniels. He has some reports have already come out that he looks to take it to, to use Josh Jacobs' ability a lot more, especially near the goal line. Raiders notably struggled this year in red zone opportunities. He likes to take advantage a lot more than the previous coaching staff did of Josh Jacobs' ability. Hopefully, Darren Waller can stay healthy for them. And Josh McDaniels finally has his job, finally has his next opportunity in the NFL. Last, of course, head coaching with the Denver Broncos back that many years ago. Has been with the New England Patriots now for years. So Raiders get their guy. Josh McDaniels gets the job he 
now wants. And the last one that, of course, like I mentioned, I forgot to completely man, completely put in this list would be the Chicago Bears hiring Matt Eberflus, going from Matt Nagy to Matt Eberflus. And this hire could go. This this hire could go a few ways. I believe Matt Eberflus is a really good or was a really good defensive coordinator for the Indianapolis Colts. That defense has been stellar these last few seasons. So he deserve a head coaching job. I'm just not sure if this was the right direction for Chicago to go. As I've noted before, when a team fires one side of the ball, you have an offensive-minded head coach, you let him go. A lot of the time you see him bring in a defensive coach, and then if you have a defensive coach, you fire him, you bring in an offensive coach. It's cliche at this point. We see it happen all the time. Does it work? You could argue yes, you could argue no. But that's what they did. They had two back-to-back offensive-minded coach coaches. Jim Tressel, I think the guy's... Who, uh, I don't remember the guy's name. I think I may have just named a college football coach. I'm sorry, I don't have his name in front of me. Like I said, I wasn't prepared for this. I for- completely forgot to include the Chicago Bears. Um, but then, of course, Matt Nagy, coming over from the Kansas City Chiefs as offensive coordinator, hasn't worked for them. So naturally, they look to employ somebody on the opposite side of the ball with the defense, the defensive-minded head coach of Matt Eberflus. I don't think that's the direction they should have looked in. If you're going to hire defense... You have a young quarterback with Justin Fields. I probably would have looked to bring in a defensive-minded head coach with some experience rather than a first-time head coach on the defensive side of things. You could have brought in Dan Quinn. You could have brought in Brian Flores. Now, Brian Flores, notably, hasn't done a good enough job to develop Tua. Dan Quinn got the Atlanta Falcons to the Super Bowl. Andrew, who was on this show... About a month ago, uh, texting with him, he was very interested in getting Dan Quinn as the Chicago Bears head coach. But we'll see. This this does have the ability, this does have the potential to be a good hire. He could be a good head coach for the Chicago Bears. I want to say he will be. I want the Chicago Bears to be good. I want Andrew to be happy. I want uh, some competition in that division, especially now with the likelihood that Aaron Rodgers is leaving so hopefully Eberflus can step in there bring in a good offensive coordinator to help the development of Justin Fields because that kid's got a lot of talent I really believe in him he could have a very similar career to what we've seen with Josh Allen Justin Fields has the arm he has the athletic ability wasn't able to put it all together last year a lot of the time but he has that ability in him I love Jalen Hurts there are certain limitations of Jalen Hurst that you're not sure if he can achieve. Doesn't have the best arm. Doesn't really have the best accuracy as a quarterback. Justin Fields at least has that arm. And I'd say good enough accuracy, even though I just said good enough isn't enough. I think he has enough tools to work with that he can be a serviceable and winning quarterback in this league. So, we'll see. Chicago gets their guy, Matt Eberflus. So, that leaves four openings remaining. Minnesota Vikings, I think, could go with Brian Flores. And there's a a certain somebody that 
I'm going to talk about when I talk about the Miami Dolphins here in a second. That could go there too. You have the Jacksonville Jaguars, who I thought were is all but finalized that they're going to be hiring Byron Leftwich, the offensive coordinator of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. That has still yet to happen. They're still without a head coach. Then you have the Houston Texans, who have just been absolutely infatuated with the former quarterback of Josh McCown. Josh McCown, of course, was a trailblazer around the league and was very close to taking the job last year. Didn't get it. So this time around, I have heard nothing, but Josh McCown is going to be the Houston Texans coach. So that's where I believe those two guys will go. But the Dolphins have a few options. And it's seemingly down to three. It was down to two. It, it it was at three. Brian Dable got his job. And then it was down to two. Of course, starting with 49ers offensive coordinator Mike McDaniel. The guy's young. I would still ID him if he came through my line at Publix. But he's got a sharp offensive mind. I watched some footage yesterday of him in a quarterback's camp him speaking in front of other former coaches and you could tell he he knows what he's talking about he's got a really good understanding of the offensive side of the ball he's young yes but he has those 15 years of coaching experience from various places he's followed around Kyle Shanahan we all know the success Kyle Shanahan has had so I'd be more than happy to bring in Mike McDaniel there also is Kellen Moore, who's out there, offensive coordinator of the Dallas Cowboys. I'm a little less excited about him. He could be a good head coach. I don't know if this is the right time for him yet. That offense on Dallas it was good, but I don't think the offense did anything more than it was expected to do. You have that incredible the incredible weapons that Kellen Moore had at his disposal. You have Amari Cooper. You have C.D. Lamb. You have Ezekiel Elliott. Dak Prescott is around 10th to 12th best quarterback in the league. That's a pretty solid offensive line. But they didn't necessarily do anything to really wow you this year. So uh, I'm not too sure about Kellen Moore. The jury's still out on Kellen Moore, whether he'd be a good head coach. But he's still being touted here. All reports were that he was going to be returning back to the Dallas Cowboys, similarly with Dan Quinn. However, if you're given a head coaching job, if you're offered a head coaching job, I have a very difficult time seeing him turn that down. So we have those two young offensive minds. We have the two offense coordinators, Mac McDaniel, Callum Moore. But then yesterday, a lot of wind started to come up that Jim Harbaugh could be looking to leave Michigan. I think that's what he will do. I thought it would have been to Las Vegas. And then when Las Vegas hired Josh McDaniels, I thought that took a little bit of a dip in whether he was going to leave or not. But then the report came out about him having the interview for the Minnesota Vikings. He, of course, has some experience with the new GM of the Minnesota Vikings. So it makes sense that they have the conversation, see what his interests are. But we know that Stephen Ross came out and said he didn't want to be the guy to take Jim Harbaugh 
out of Michigan. And when he said that, I was dumbfounded. Yes, you're a booster of Michigan. Yes, you're a Michigan fan. But first and foremost, you're the owner of the Miami Dolphins. That should be your number one priority. And seemingly it wasn't. Seemingly it was Michigan football. Being a fan, being a booster of Michigan football meant more to him than being the owner of the Miami Dolphins. But now that Jim Harbaugh has openly had or going to have that interview with the Minnesota Vikings, now it could be spun in a different direction. Oh, I wasn't the guy to take him away from Michigan. He was already looking to leave. He already had another interview. So now I can step in, interview him. He's the guy I've coveted for years now. Now I have a way to spin this that it's not my fault he left Michigan and he's also the Miami Dolphins head coach now. And I can really see it happening. I thought it was, once Dable took the head coaching job of New York, I thought it was all but certain it was going to be Mike McDaniel. And I'm still going to lean Mike McDaniel. At the end of the day, Harbaugh did have that interview first with the Vikings. The interest first came from the Vikings. I think it's a very strong possibility he goes to the Vikings. The Vikings are, the, the talent level is very similar between the Dolphins and Minnesota, just on different sides of the ball. Miami's defense is really hot and can really carry a team into the playoffs. And Minnesota's offense is so tasty. Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, Dalvin Cook. We'll see what happens with Kirk Cousins. So if he chooses Minnesota, I completely understand. And I can completely see it happening. But there is that poll that Stephen Ross is really seemingly desperate for him and really, really wanting him. And it just begs the question that let's say Jim Harbaugh becomes the Miami Dolphins head coach. Is he going to now have final say? We know that was an issue with Brian Flores and Brian Flores wanted to go one way. Chris Greer wanted to go the other way. And more often than not, Chris Greer got his way. But with Stephen Ross's infatuation for Jim Harbaugh, for his love, for his respect, for his admiration, admiration of Jim Harbaugh, is that enough to give Harbaugh control of the team and let Harbaugh take it where he wants? We know that's what Harbaugh wants. Harbaugh wants to have ultimate, not maybe not ultimate say, but he wants to be the decision maker with wherever he goes, whether he stays with Michigan, whether he goes to Minnesota, whether he comes down here to Miami. He's been, he's been around town, and he's succeeded everywhere he's gone. Starting in college, San Diego State, Stanford, San Francisco 49ers, Michigan now. He's taking Michigan now to about as far as they could possibly go. How often are you going to get the better of Ohio State? They were very fortunate in their circumstances this year, Michigan was. They got the game, of course, at home against Ohio State. They had... Arguably the best player in all of college football, Aiden Hutchinson, returned for his senior season. The recruiting was good. The quarterback play was good. They beat Ohio State. All those things combined led them to getting obliterated by Georgia in the semifinal game. How many years is Ohio, how many more years is Ohio State gonna not be at the level that Ohio State has been in previous years? How many years? Is Michigan going to be able to beat Ohio State? How many years is Michigan going to have one of the best players in in college football? How many years are they going to have a top 10 pick? Multiple first round picks now. Should be this year. 
how often is that going to happen? And I think Jim Harbaugh realizes that. And I think he's looking to leave. If he comes down to Miami, it could be enough for Stephen Ross to say, Jim, here you go. You have $75 million. You have three first-round picks this year. No, sorry, three first-round three first picks this year and next year. Two is our quarterback, but Jim, I trust you. Do what you would like. We all know who's out there. Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, Deshaun Watson pending legal situation. If Jim Harbaugh steps in and says, I want us to go out and get Russell Wilson... I think that would be enough for Steve Ross to say, okay, we're going to do it. We have the three firsts. We have other capital we can give up. We can send Tua back to them if they so would like. So it's kind of a can't-lose scenario between Harbaugh and McDaniel. Now, McDaniel, first-time head coach, he could, of course, not work out. But just listening to him speak, his understanding of the offense... I have a hard time believing he won't eventually succeed in the NFL. Young offensive mind is where the NFL is going. Sean McVay has players on his team that are older than him. He now is in the Super Bowl. Zach Taylor, formerly on the Miami Dolphins coaching staff, now in the Super Bowl. That's where the league's going. I have a hard time seeing Mike McDaniel not succeed. So if we bring in McDaniel, cool. Offense is going to succeed. Maybe he helps Tua out. Definitely going to help out that running game, formerly being the run game coordinator of the 49ers. But if we bring Harbaugh in, has the experience, he has the pull with owner Steven Ross, he has the success elsewhere, and hopefully he has the same pull that he has with Steven Ross to pending free agents and trade targets. Russell Wilson does have a no-trade clause. However, you bring somebody in with the acumen of Jim Harbaugh, somebody that Russell Wilson has had to play against in the past, maybe that's enough. Maybe that's enough. Maybe it's enough for Steven Ross to say, we'll do it. Maybe it's enough for people to come in. Now, I'm still going to lean that I think it's going to be Mike McDaniel. That's what my gut tells me. (laughs) You guys listen to me regularly. No, my gut's been wrong a lot. So, take that with a pinch of salt. Take that as you will. I'm going to lean Mike McDaniel. But if we do bring in Jim Harbaugh, I think that'll be an absolute success for the Miami Dolphins and really help this team going forward into next year. Briefly, I'll, I'll cover the, the, the Tom Brady retirement that wasn't a retirement. And then looking at the time, I don't believe I'll have time to cover the Dolphins and Panthers, which I keep wanting to do. And eventually, of course, it's going to turn into that as football is now with its last game. So eventually, basketball, hockey, eventually even baseball is going to get a lot more time on this show for me. But looking at the time, I do have work soon. So I will just briefly go over the Tom Brady situation. Saturday, 3-ish o'clock, Adam Schefter, Jeff Darlington report that Tom Brady is retired. That the GOAT is hanging up his cleats. 21 years in the NFL. Age 44. Is going to be done. And. <laughs> every. Every account. 
on my Instagram feed was Tom Brady highlights, Tom Brady tribute, Tom Brady's last touchdown. And I got caught up in it too. Of course, I went to the Los Angeles Rams, Tampa Bay Buccaneers game. And the day before I had posted, you know, some of my pictures and, and I posted a video of the Leonard Fournette touchdown to tie the game, which was the last time Tampa Bay had possession of the ball. And I posted on my story saying, this was the ghost last play. And now that's not so certain. Adam Schefter has now apologized and said he jumped the gun. And that it's not official. Tom Brady's dad came out with a public statement. Tom Brady apparently personally phone called the general manager of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to say his mind is not made up. So as we stand, Tom Brady is not officially retired. I do think he's going to retire. I think everything is almost perfect for him to retire. I think the only thing else that he could do is go to San Francisco for one year, let Trey Lance sit behind the GOAT, and he goes to his childhood team. He goes to San Francisco and tries to win a Super Bowl over there. I can see that happening. Um, but personally, I still think he's going to retire. He didn't He didn't say, oh, no, guys, I'm coming back. He said, well, hold up. I'm still thinking. Give me a second. And <clears throat> the previous few days before Saturday, there was reports that he was likely going to retire. CBS was running with something saying he was going to retire. Uh, so those aren't those those didn't just come out of nowhere. Those weren't just people pulling stuff out their butt saying, "Oh, Brady's gone." The way he's been talking, the way he's been talking about family. Giselle doesn't like seeing him be, doesn't like seeing him get beat up. I think he will hang up his cleats. I think he will retire. Personally, all the enough, I don't want him to retire. I've gotten to enjoy Tom Brady these last couple seasons with Tampa Bay. Undeniably the greatest player of all time. Has more Super Bowls than a franchise has with his seven. I don't want to see him retire. And if he does, he's had the by far greatest career in NFL history. But I really hope he doesn't come to that. I really do, do hope he comes back. But if he does, absolutely fantastic career. And now we just have to sit around and wait. See what happens. See if Schefter... Uh, Jumps the gun a little early again, or or not. But uh, thank you all very much for listening. Uh, it's, been a, it's been a fun show. It's been fun to do this by myself. I've been doing the episodes over on FAUOurRadio.com by myself over there. Uh, tomorrow, bringing on my first guest. I'm really excited about that. Bringing on my next two guests the following week. So I'm really thankful for this opportunity. I thank God for this opportunity I have to uh, have a job there with FAU, bring in a little bit of extra income. And then I, it's really, it really makes me happy to bring people in to the program. Like I was brought in this, you know, this is, I've only been a part of it six or seven months now. And I've been very fortunate to meet the people that I've met, to have the experience that I've met, something that I've never, I'll never forget. And it's only beginning really. So I'm really thankful for the opportunity. I'm really thankful to bring people in. So anybody that's gotten to this point of the episode, whether you're my friend and you'd like to come on the show here, or if you're somebody with the FAU Owl community, please get in contact with me. 
I would love to be to bring as much people into this as possible. I'm a broken record at this point that I keep stating this. So I would love to just continue to build this, build this with other people. So thank you all very much for listening. Thank you all that have reached out so far and given me hey, a lot of feedback and even some even some ways I can get better. So I really appreciate all you guys for listening. Hope you all have a wonderful rest of your day. Take care.